Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, drought conditions persist across the state, and most counties have a burn ban in effect. For a burn ban to take effect, there have to be a couple of criteria met. One is drought. Uh, So we have uh, monitors throughout the state. We monitor drought conditions within Mississippi. Then, changing hearts and minds to have an open discussion about race and poverty in Mississippi. Later, a visit from the experts of Everyday Tech on the cloud and profiling two candidates running for the state Supreme Court. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Drought conditions are continuing to plague much of north and central Mississippi. It's been weeks since any serious rain has fallen on Mississippi, and forecasters aren't predicting any in the near future. Since September 1st, the Mississippi Forestry Commission has placed 69 counties under a burn ban. In that time, fire officials have responded to more than 650 wildfires that burned more than 5,700 acres across the state. Forestry Commission spokesman Russell Bozeman tells MPB's Paul Boger the dry conditions played a large part in the death of a Montgomery County man last week. We are experiencing an extreme and severe drought through a large portion of the state. Currently, there are 67 of the state's 82 counties that are under a burn ban right now. Uh, the governor has, uh, has a partial state-level burn ban, <clears throat> which takes place along the counties along the Interstate 20 corridor and north, uh, which is also where we've been seeing the most amount of wildfire that we've had to fight uh, in the last month or so. The counties south of the Interstate 20 corridor uh, are all under county imposed burn bans. Um, so of the total 82 counties that we currently have, 67 are under a burn ban right now. So it is getting it is getting very crispy out there. What's causing this burn ban? Is it the fact that it just hasn't rained in, in, in or significant rain in a number of weeks? That's exactly right. For a burn ban to take effect, there have to be a couple of criteria met. One is drought. Uh, so we have uh, monitors throughout the state. We monitor drought conditions within Mississippi. Um, and once the drought indices hit a certain level and wild ac- uh, wildfire activity uh, starts to increase, we will then you know, work with the county uh, supervisors to let them know that we're seeing these conditions, uh, and then the county board of supervisors are the ones that may impose a burn ban uh, should they see the need to. So we communicate the conditions that we're seeing out in the field to the county board of supervisors. If they do decide to impose a burn ban, they actually submit the burn ban to us. They impose it, we just authorize it. Then the, the county was under a burn ban until the, on each burn ban they all have expiration dates on them. And as we get to that date, um, whether we've had rain or not, uh, unless they extend the burn ban, then the, the burn ban will, will go out. We have seen an increase in wildfire activity throughout the state. Um, in fact, I got news that we've had our first wildfire-related fatality for the year. Uh, took place yesterday afternoon uh, in Montgomery County. It was a landowner uh, who had uh, apparently, from, from the reports I've gotten, of course everything is uh, still under investigation at this time, but uh, it appears that there was a fire in Montgomery County 
uh, a landowner was trying to suppress the fire himself, and something took place. At some time during his efforts to suppress the wildfire, some event occurred which allowed the fire to overtake him. Uh, so we actually have our first reported wildfire-related fatality in Montgomery County. So conditions are such that wildfires spread very quickly right now, uh, especially if there's any wind in the area. Everything is so dry, it's tender dry. But the smallest spark uh, can get turned into a wildfire very quickly. And um, I don't know if it was the rate of spread for the wildfire at this time um, that was the, the main culprit or not in the fatality, but uh, an investigation is being conducted and we'll, we'll know more hopefully uh, very soon. But unfortunately, and we are, we are very saddened um, by the fact that there has been an incident, there has been a, a tragedy, and, uh, and someone was, uh, was involved in a wildfire-related accident and, uh, as, and resulted in a fatality. We typically here in the state see a burn ban about this time every year. Is this significantly more dangerous or significantly uh, worse than it has been previously? Typically in Mississippi, we go through two fire seasons. We will have one in the fall and one in the spring. Typically, the one in the spring is usually our worst wildfire season. Uh, we have the, the most amount of wildfire that we record in a calendar year usually takes place in March. Um, and that is because vegetation is usually as dead as it's going to be because of the winter. Um, and then you, it starts drying up. We start having systems come through that uh, bring uh, wind with it. Uh, and not always rain with the systems, but they'll bring the wind, they'll bring the lower humidities. And so we actually, uh, as, as the agency that, that is in charge of suppressing all wildland fires in the state, we typically see an increase in wildfire activity, wildfire activity in the spring. Now, the fall wildfire season is, is very much dictated on drought conditions. So the last two or three years, we have had uh, droughts that have taken place towards the later half of the year. So last year, uh, we were in a similar situation where we had uh, no rainfall, no measurable rainfall since last year. I think it was it stopped raining in July. I think this year it started raining, stopped raining in August. And so we've had no measurable rainfall or any significant rainfall. We did have uh, some rain move through the northern portions of the state a few weeks ago. Uh, dropped a good bit of rain, but within 24 to 48 hours, because the drought was so severe, we were right back into wildfire conditions. I mean, it didn't take any time for that stuff to dry out and, and become wildfire fuel again. The The reason we're looking at what we're looking at this year is, is strictly because of the drought and uh, the absence of rain. MPB's Paul Boger with Russell Bozeman of the State Forestry Commission on the drought across the state. Up next, changing hearts and minds to have an open discussion about race and poverty in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hello, Mississippi. I'm Jennifer Naramore, one of your new meteorologists here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We know the difference between a Gulf breeze and ocean springs and afternoon summer showers in Greenville. We're committed to delivering you timely weather information day and night, seven days a week. And when the weather gets serious, we'll be with you every step of the way. Your place for staying a step ahead of Mississippi's weather is MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Mississippians who work in philanthropy and public policy know the issue all too well. The state lags behind much of the nation in measures of well-being, health, and economy. So how do we reverse that? Operation Shoestring, a Jackson-based nonprofit, is holding a conversation on the Mississippi mindset, the corporate way of of thinking that might hold the state back. But that also could help it move forward. We spoke with Robert Langford, Executive Director of Operation Shoestring, about the Mississippi mindset and about the group's annual conversation about community, which takes place tomorrow. One of the great things about mindset is that um, it's something that we can, I think, shift and, and adjust. Uh, so we're, we're there's a great uh, author, uh, Carol Dweck, who's written a ton on mindset. We're not going that route. We're looking at a little more kind of how uh, mindset and really how we value people or don't value people affects how we live our lives. You know, whether we, uh, to sort of take from the, the work of one of our panelists, whether we live in the house of fear uh, or the house of love, whether we see uh, the world in terms of opportunity and abundance or the opposite of that uh, in terms of lack of opportunity and scarcity. And, you know, sort of the way that you perceive um, the external world really uh, affects the way that you navigate through it and how you interact with other people. How do you tell somebody, well, you know, your mindset <laughs> isn't wow. the best for you or for others around you? Yeah, it's 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 really tough. I mean, we certainly see in this uh, really um, cold political season right now a lot of issues related to that. And Such a polarizing and, election. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's interesting. So our, our work at Operation Shoestring, which is focused on uh, really primarily after-school and summer programs for kids from a low-income community right in the heart of Mississippi's capital city, and we work with their parents. Can something like this affect the entire community, or is it individual by individual, and then you need time to let it, yeah, let you know, it simmer? And it's probably, I would say, it's it's probably both of those things. I mean, I I think I think the earlier question was how can you change people's hearts and minds? How can you change mindsets? And you know, it's really tough to do. You can you can you know those of us who have kids, you know, that you can force them to do certain things, <laughs> but once they you know, but it, it, it's less likely to stick than if they. They feel invited or somehow um, uh, have uh, the realization themselves that what you're trying to do is actually in their best interest. Um, so, you know, what we want to do um, uh, tomorrow on November 1st at our conversation about community is really just have a discussion about how we see the world and, and how it's probably a whole lot better for all of us if we see it in terms of love and, and opportunity than the opposite of that. So um, pretty big and heady stuff, uh, I know, but but I think I think it'll you know help connect with how a lot of people feel and were raised anyway. Tell us how the day will play out. Is it sure. broken up into conversations? Or? Yeah. Um, this year we're having two amazing panelists and a, and a really equally amazing moderator. We have um, the Reverend Ed Bacon, who is a, a retired uh, Episcopal priest, although he doesn't seem to be much uh, retired, who spent some time uh, here in Mississippi and then um, a couple of decades in California, and he's moved back to the South in retirement. But he has done a lot of work um, on and been featured on Oprah's uh, Soul Series on his his kind of living in the house of love. And he's got a great book called, I think, Eight, Eight Habits of Love. 
And the other panelist is a Mississippi native, uh, Natalie Collier, who it works for the Children's Defense Fund, and she does some really amazing work with African-American women and children in uh, the rural South, primarily Mississippi Delta and parts of Alabama and Georgia. So we have these two people who are going to be exploring this, this um, as we say, fear and uh, loving in Mississippi, uh, an exploration of the Mississippi mindset, sort of looking at the way how the way that we see each other and the world and how that affects how we navigate it. It affects how we uh, create policies, which at the end of the day, uh, most immediately, and I think often if it's if they're bad policies, negatively affect um, kids like those we serve at, at Operation Shoestring or have the opportunity to empower them. But the, the way that it'll uh, play out is that uh, doors will open, I think, at 1030 or 1045 at the convention center uh, here in Jackson, downtown. And um, it's $50 uh, uh, per ticket, and that includes a great conversation and a wonderful buffet lunch afterwards. program will run a pretty tight 60 minutes from 1130 to 1230 and then be followed by uh, lunch and hopefully um, inspiration that you can carry out into your home or congregation or community um, about uh, living in the house alone. Can somebody still come? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. So so you can um, call us at 601-353-6336 or better yet, go uh, to our website, operationshoestring.org. Um, and you can click on uh, – you can buy a ticket and uh, reserve a um, uh, spot, and, and you can also just probably show up. I think we'll be able to have enough space for some, some walk-ups, although tickets are selling fast. We're really excited about this. That's wonderful. Robert Langford is – well, he runs Operation Juice Drink. Well, it runs me, I You're think, the big so. boss, I think. Oh, I don't know about that. Robert, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, my honor. Thanks so much. Up next, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on the cloud. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to the station every day. Daily at 4 on MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sharita Brent, here with Wilkes Couture, information technology expert at Newcore Steel and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the cloud, what you can do with the cloud, and what you can put in the cloud. Good morning, Wilkes. Thanks for being in today. Good morning, Sharita. Tell us a little bit about the cloud. It's not actually the one in the sky. This is the thing that people can use to store things in. So if you were to explain to somebody what the cloud is, how would you explain it? Well, the cloud is basically, uh, you know, all of us have probably seen Dorothy and following the yellow brick road and the man behind the mirror and everything. It's basically that item in the sky, in essence. It's out there. It's not something that you're physically touching all the time. It's not right there with you, but it's services. And you mentioned storage. It's those things that are out there that are being provided as a service back to us from some man behind the mirror. Do you need Internet to access the cloud or can you access it offline? You definitely need Internet for the cloud. If it's not being physically stored on the computer that you're using, in essence, you're actually using the cloud or what what the cloud Mm. really is intended to be. So what all can you put in the cloud? Or a better question is, who needs it? Is it for people who have a lot of pictures and they don't want to take up all that space on the phone? Who needs the cloud? Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of different approaches to it. One thing, you know, we mentioned on the show was talking about things like backups. 
use my wife for an example. Her grandmother had written down a lot of recipes before she had passed, and we scanned these in, made PDFs out of them, and now we store them in the cloud so that other nieces, nephews, and such could actually get to them if they needed to, so as a way of backing up and protecting them. Like you mentioned, things like photographs. Photographs are very common to put up in the cloud services, and what they really are providing you is a way to store that information away from your physical location, just a simple backup, basically. But even beyond just the storing of your files, you've also got your services. A lot of us will use iTunes and some of these other kind of programs. Those are actually cloud services. They're actually sending you music from outer space, basically. Another great example of that is you can, in essence, think of MPB Online's app as a cloud service. Mm. You're using the Internet to get to that, but we are providing you content on demand from beyond your own device that's not physically located with you. Is the cloud free or do you have to pay for it? Well, it depends on the services you want. Quite a few of them, luckily, are free. Things such as Google Drive, Microsoft has OneDrive. A lot of folks have probably heard of Dropbox. Those are definitely free services. It really depends on what level of service you're looking for. If I have a cloud and I want to share some files with someone who doesn't have a cloud profile, can I do that? You can, actually. fairly easy to do. I'll use you know Google Drive for an example. It's as simple as right-clicking on the item or even the folder that you're wanting to share to someone. You say, I want to share this. Hey, I want to share this particular file with Wilts over here. You would right-click on that, say that you're wanting to share it, include my email address. It would then send me a message. I would not require an account. It may ask me if I would like to create one. You know, that's always an option, but I'm not required to have one. But I would be able to then access your information because you said, hey, recipient at this email address, I'm going to allow you to have this access. Sure thing. Well, we are going to talk more about the cloud and Google Drive and Dropbox and some of those other services on Everyday Tech, the show. You can send us an email before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Sharita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to the station every day. Daily at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Next Tuesday is Election Day. In addition to voting for president, Mississippians will have a chance to cast votes in a variety of offices across the state. This week, we're examining the races for state Supreme Court. Today, we look at the Central District race between incumbent Jim Kitchens and challenger Kenny Griffiths. First, Kenny Griffiths tells us he thinks Supreme Court justices need to follow the law. I'm a presiding judge on the Mississippi Court of Appeals. I've been in that position uh, for the last 14 years. Uh, I grew up in Meridian. Uh, my parents were the superintendent of the Masonic Home uh, for children. Uh, I've been a lawyer for over 30 years now. Uh, I'm running for the Mississippi Supreme Court uh, for several reasons. I believe that our courts need someone who's going to be the guardian of justice, who's going to make sure that we follow the law and that we not simply change the law to, to, to you know, fit the view of certain justices. Why is the Supreme Court, or why should the Supreme Court be important to Mississippians? Well, the Supreme Court is the highest court in the state. It's responsible for interpreting the laws that are made and making sure that there's justice 
that's received in all of the courts of this state. Uh, it's a constitutional court, and it's given that responsibility to solve disputes. The major job of the Supreme Court is to decide the appeals from circuit and chancery courts to make sure that those judges have followed the law, uh, that the facts and the law make sense, and to clearly state what the law is so that other judges and other lawyers can provide that information and that law to, to their clients and the citizens of our state to make sure that everyone has access to justice uh, at a fair and reasonable price. Do you think the state Supreme Court is on the wrong path now? Well, I, I don't think it's on the wrong path. I think there are certain members of the Supreme Court who are on the wrong path, and that's why I'm running. I, I think my opponent is on the wrong path, having voted to reverse more than 50 uh, percent of the criminal cases over the last seven years, and last year having voted to reverse 65 percent of the cases. And of the death penalty cases that he has considered and the Supreme Court has affirmed, he's voted out of 15 cases to reverse 13 of those cases. My opponent is certainly aggressively trying to change the criminal laws and procedures in this state and trying to expand civil liability uh, in ways that's never been done before. Kenny Griffiths is running for the Supreme Court in the Central District. Mr. Griffiths, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. I'd ask for your vote. Thank you. Next, Jim Kitchen says his experience sets him apart. I know I'm doing a good job. I know more about being a Supreme Court justice than I did when I ran uh, eight years ago, and the terms are eight years long. And at that point, I had 41 years of experience in the legal profession, and I, I knew I was qualified then, and I know I'm better qualified now. And eight years in, you like the job? Is that why you want to continue for another eight years? Yes, I, I think I'm doing some good, and, and that's uh, what I'm about. I like to, to do things that make my world better, the people of Mississippi better. Uh, the legal system is important to all of us in our state. It's important that it be fair, and it's important that we be able to rely on the decisions of our courts and that those decisions be well-reasoned and logical and right according to the constitutions and the law. Why should Mississippians care about the Supreme Court? How does it affect them directly? Well, Justice Antoine uh, Scalia was here for the dedication of our courthouse a few years ago. We have a fairly new courthouse that we operate out of, and he told the public that w was assembled there that day that the decisions of the Mississippi Supreme Court are more important to the people of Mississippi than the decisions of the U.S. Supreme Court. Of course, mo mo both of them are important. Both courts are very important to the people, but we deal with local laws in our state. We are the court of last resort in Mississippi, and our decisions affect every woman, man, and child in the state. Do you think the state Supreme Court is on the right track? Well, I think we're on the right track in the sense that we are a consistent court. We are a timely court. We are a thoughtful and, and I think, an honorable court. We have nine good people, I think, serving on the Supreme Court who are conscientious and care about the state. So we, we don't get to make policy decisions on our court. We just get to interpret the laws as they come to us. And I think that the court does a good job of that. Certainly, I'm honored to serve there with the people that are there, and I know they all are trying to do their best just as I am. Uh, Justice Jim Kitchens is running for his seat, his own seat on the state Supreme Court in the Central District. Justice Kitchens, thank you very much for coming in. I enjoyed being here. Thank you.
We will provide profile candidates in other state Supreme Court races later this week. Coming up after Mississippi edition, it's Deep South Dining. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. It's Marketplace Tech.